God made a promise to Abraham that he would save by faith. That a man could not save himself by his works. And this was 430 years before God ever gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So God did not give the law to be saved. He already promised that he would save by faith alone. And that's the only way a man could be saved. So that was the greatest promise that's ever been made. That God would justify a heathen. And I was a heathen. I was lost. By faith alone. All I had to do is believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And I trusted him as my savior. Look at number nine there in your notes. Number nine is the greatest law ever given. See, that's what makes this the greatest story. Because everything about it was so great. What makes it so great? Well, the greatest promise that God ever gave was that he would save a man by faith. And he made it to Abraham. And yet he had to have his son make it possible for him to keep his promise. You see, if Christ had never come into the world, God could not have kept his word. He could not have kept his promise to save a man by faith if Christ had not died and paid for his sins. Because, you see, God made a law, a righteous law. And in that law, it says, the soul that sinneth shall die. Now, while you're in Romans, look there in chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Look now in verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law. And get this, that every mouth may be stopped, and you ought to underline that all the world become guilty before God. God made a law that condemned the whole world. What a law. That's the greatest law that's ever been given, was God's law. Oh, every nation makes laws. Every state legislature, county, city. But he made a law that governed everybody in the whole world. Never been a law like that law. That's the greatest law that's ever... All the laws in America are because of the laws that God gave. And by the way, they're still in effect. They were never given to save anybody. Christ did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. The law is still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to commit adultery. It's still wrong. God didn't say, it's not wrong anymore. Like the law's been done. No, 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 no. It's still wrong. It's still a sin. And it says, thou shalt make unto thee no other graven images. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. That's still a command. It's just man can't keep it. Man can't fulfill the law. But that doesn't make the law bad. Romans 7 says that the law was perfect. The law is spiritual. The law is good. Nothing wrong with the law. Well, what's the problem? You and me. We couldn't keep it. And because the law condemned everybody. Well, did God give the law for a man to be saved? No. 
He already promised all he had to do is trust Christ as Savior. But see, people won't trust Christ if they think they can save themselves. So God gave the law to lead us to Christ. The law was never given to save a man. Can't save a man. Look at number 10. Number 10. The greatest son ever born was given. I've got two sons. One's here and one's in heaven. Love both of my sons. My sons, I think, were pretty good. But not a one of them was perfect. Oh, they were close. I think my grandson is. It doesn't matter how much we love them. They're not perfect. This beautiful little baby down here is not perfect. They're going to find out in very soon. That little baby has a sinful nature. Got it from the mother. <laughs> Just joking. Believe it or not, I believe it's passed on by the daddy. Ooh, I hated to admit that. But the greatest law brought the greatest condemnation that the whole world becomes guilty. So that's what helps make this the greatest story. Everybody in the world needs a Savior. Isn't this wonderful? Everybody needs a Savior. We're all in the same boat. And God sent His Son, and He's the only one that can save. He was the only one that was innocent. He was the only one that didn't sin. So He's the only one that didn't have to die. But He chose to die because He loved His Father. And He made this statement in John chapter 14, verse 31. He said, that the world may know that I love my Father. Even so I do. In other words, Christ says, I'm doing what I'm doing because I want the world to know how much I love my Father. Now, He loves us, but it was God's love for us that sent His Son. And because the Son loved the Dad so much, He'd do anything His Father asked. So He was willing to die for us because He loved His Father. And he died on the cross, came back from the dead. And God says that all those who come to him, he will give to the Son. He says, and I'll in no wise ever cast them out, and I'll never lose them. You have eternal life, and you get to go to heaven whenever you die. Pretty good news. Pretty good news. Take your Bible and turn there to the book of 1 John and chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, look there in verse 9. God is love. God, in order to prove love, must have an object of love. He needed to have something that he can show that he loves. And he created a, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. Put him in a garden, and all the world, and the beautiful garden was made just for them, just for mankind, because he loves us. But Adam and Eve, if they had never sinned, would never have known the love of God like you and I know. 
It was because of sin. And God permitted sin. And all the wickedness that comes because of sin, because it gave the Lord an opportunity to prove to us that He loves us by doing something for us we could not do for ourselves. So there has to be something so bad that He had to save us from. Something so bad we'd want to be saved from. We could just say, I wish that I could just be annihilated and there's nothing else and I don't know I exist anymore. In other words, think of how many years went and I, I wasn't around. I didn't exist. I didn't miss anything because I wasn't here. Wouldn't it be neat if you could just say, okay, I've had enough. Stop the earth. I want off and I, I don't exist anymore. If it could all go through that, then death maybe would end it all and that's it. But we know according to the Bible, death doesn't end it all. There is an eternity, and God tells us about a place called hell. And tells us how terrible it is, how wicked it is, how hot it is, how long it is. The suffering, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. They're like wandering stars in the midst of blackness forever. There has to be the most wicked thing in all the world in order for us to appreciate the love of God. Because He's got to save us from something we couldn't save ourselves from. And God allowed all of this wickedness and so forth to prove that He loves us. You say, well, I made it prove just the opposite. Then you're not looking correctly. You see, you and I don't have to spend eternity in hell. You can accept the love of God. Or you can reject the love of God. He that believeth on him, God gives us his righteousnesses upon him. He that believeth not, the wrath of God is on him. It's a choice. This made sense to me 50 years ago. So I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know that I have eternal life, and I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Now, here in your notes... There's a few of the things that's mentioned here. The greatest event in human history was the cross. And mainly that time of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ is all tied in together here. There's nothing like those few short years that Jesus came into the world. Now you stop and think there's a lot of people who have tried to rule the world. And you can name, you know, Hitler and Stalin, Mussolini and all the rest of them, all the way down through time, Napoleon and Alexander. They all wanted to rule the world. And they all ruled by force to conquer, to kill, to threaten, terrorize. We have people today who want to take and terrorize the world, willing to kill anybody and everybody as long as they can dominate and win, conquer the world. And yet the Bible talks about, come desire of nations, come. This desire of peace and joy and happiness. This is the Lord. The desire is Christ. 
the desire that you and I have to live forever, eternal peace and joy, all this that we want, that's Christ. That's what you're really desiring. And how many people live their whole lives chasing soap bubbles, the dream, and, and they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And he's what you're looking for. He's always been there. You need the Lord. God has so designed this world that there is nothing in this world that can bring the peace, the joy, and the happiness like the person of Christ. Christ. And the Bible says that this desire of nations that he will come and one day as king of kings and lord of lords, he will rule the world. And he will rule for a while as the rod of iron. But see, he rules because he is a God of love. You and I are not supposed to serve the Lord because we're afraid he's going to beat us up, though he can, but because we know he loves us. And our lives are supposed to reflect our love for him. So as we study the word of God and we see these things, and he makes a statement here in verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And live through him means to have eternal life. Not just the length of life, but the quality of life. And this life is in his son. And he that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So you and I can know that we're going to heaven whenever we die. And him dying on the cross, when you stop and think about all the histories of the world, the kingdoms of the world, and they all give recognition to the date when Jesus Christ was born into this world. It's either before Christ or after Christ. Any way they want to cut it. It's because of him. And yet he only lived maybe 33 and a half years. One little old fellow had been born. Let's just pretend he wasn't God. Why is all of this about a man? If he was just a plain, ordinary, normal man, look how many people are meeting today to sing about this man, to worship this man. Look at the books that have been written about this man. Look at the nation of America that was founded on the principles of this man. If he was just a man, what a man. But he was God. And you're not going to go to heaven because you believe he was a good man. Or a great man. Or that he was a prophet. You must understand he is God in the flesh. God. And he that hath seen the Son hath seen the Father. He says, I and the Father are one. We're the same one. You and I in this life will probably never understand it all. But when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he had made the statement, I am the light of the world. And the Pharisee says in chapter 8, John, he said, you're not the light of the world. Thou bearest record of thyself, and thy record is not true. 
He says, I'm the light of the world. He says, and when you put me on the cross, you'll know who I am. My Father will tell you who I am when you put me on the cross. And when Christ was put on the cross, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. The Bible also says that when the light went out, darkness was upon the face of the earth when he was on the cross. The Bible also says that the rocks were torn in two. And many of the saints which slept arose and came out of his grave after the resurrection. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Christ says, when you put me on the cross, my Father will tell you who I am. I told you I am the resurrection. I told you I was the way. And that veil was rent from top to bottom as the only way into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. He says, I am the light of the world. And they didn't believe that. And God threw the main switch of heaven and all of the universe went dark. I believe Jesus was who he claimed to be. I don't believe a dying man on a cross could make those things happen. I believe. I believe. Look at the last statement I have there. The Father's testimony bears witness that Jesus was truly the Son of God. Now, I can't make other people believe it. I just know that it made sense to me. And I didn't understand a, a lot about the Bible. I really didn't know the Bible. I had never heard of John 3.16 until that night when I was 18. My father-in-law showed me John 3.16 and told me the story. The greatest story I'd ever heard in my life. I did not know that Jesus was the Lord. I did not know that he died for me. I did not know that I could have eternal life. I did not know I could be certain of going to heaven when I die. I did not know I could become a child of God. I did not know that he could be my father. I didn't know. I didn't know that. But after that night, I knew it. He told me the greatest story ever told. Since you've trusted Christ as your Savior, have you ever told the greatest story in the world? What about all the people that's never heard? Do you talk to people about football, basketball, girlfriends, boyfriends, talk to them about Christmas and all kinds of things? Have you ever told the greatest story in all the world where they could understand it? A lot of people have never heard. They've never heard. Look up here just a moment. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. Now, we are all born into this world, and we're all sinners. And because we are sinners with an old sinful nature, we bring forth sin. And everybody sins. So we're all in the same boat, everybody in the world. Now, God loves the whole world. Now, he gave his law, the greatest law, and it condemned everybody. So nobody could save themselves. Nobody was exempt from the law. It condemned the whole world. The whole world's guilty. So God says you cannot save yourself. That's why Christ came, to show you how much he loves you. So Christ came into the world because God so loved the world. So he sent his son 
born of a virgin, had no sin, took upon flesh, tabernacled among us. And the Bible says that because he loved us, he took our sins and paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account and his righteousness, though it's unto all, it's only upon those that believe it. Now you say, well, I don't believe that. Then his righteousness is not put to your account. You won't have to worry about going to heaven. You won't go. You don't have to believe it. But you will go to hell. You will go to hell. If that's what you want, that's what you can have. It's not because anybody makes you do it. That's your choice. You can laugh at it. You can mock it. You can do anything that you want. It's not going to change the fact that God loved you. And he offered it to you. And you rejected it. You say, well, I'll, I'll think about that down the road. If you died today, that was a decision today. No decision is a decision. To wait, that's a decision. Oh, I plan on getting right, you know, down the road, right before I die. I had a girl call me the other day. Well, she's my cousin. She's about my age. She says, Yankee, I was just thinking about you and thought I'd call you. I said, well, great. I appreciate that. I said, well, how are you doing? She says, well, I got one foot in the grave and the other one on the banana peel. She says, I said, it's that bad, huh? She says, it's that bad. She said, I've smoked all my life. She said, Yankee, I can't quit. She said, I've tried. She says, I've already lost one lung and I'm losing the other one. The doctor says, I'm dying of cancer. She said, all because of smoking. I said, well, I lost my mom because of it. I lost my two sisters because of it. And I says, I buried probably 25, 30 of my relatives that all died from it. My dad, he died from it. I says, a lot of people just get hooked on it and they, they can't quit. I says, but do you know where you go when you die? She said, oh, yes. I had led her to the Lord years ago. I said, well, at least, I said, I'm going to be coming up to Georgia in a week. I said, maybe I'll get a chance to come by there and see you. And it's a, a joy to, yeah, you, you lead them to the Lord. But you, you, know, you want so much more for people, but you can't make people, you can't live their lives for them. You can't make them make decisions. Uh, people do what they really want to do. If you really want to quit, you will. If you don't, you won't. That's how simple it is. If you just don't know, I don't need to know. You can decide. Are you trying to tell me the God of heaven, the Holy Spirit in living in, dwelling within you, can't give you the power that you need to stop something, do something? That's a cop out if I ever heard it. You can do what you really want to do. And you will when you really make up your mind. And you won't until then. I'm not God. I don't play God in people's lives. But I don't fall for the stuff. Those are excuses. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. God says you can control it. You say, I can't. Yes, you can. I can. Yes, you can. Doctor tells you you're dying of cancer unless you quit smoking and you've got to quit within a week. Doctor, I quit. My sister, right before she died, she'd gone to the, the hospital and the doctors told her, says, 
I don't want you coming back into this hospital if you're not going to listen to me. He says, you're dying of cancer. He says, you won't quit your smoking. She said, if you don't care about your life, he said, there's nothing I can do for you. And she says, I don't think that's a way for a doctor to talk. Anyway, the doctor done told him, he says, she's not to come back into this hospital. <laughs> it wasn't long. Here's my sister again. Says, I thought I told you not to come back unless you quit your smoke. She said, I quit. He says, when did you quit? He said, now. <laughs> and then she'd, she'd, she'd get in the bathroom and sneak. She'd go outside and sneak. The world never quit one iota. God bless my sister. My sister's in heaven. I'd rather her smoke here than smoke later. But Aren't you glad God loves you in spite of with a problem? And I, see, I don't care about your sins. He did something about sin. One day, whenever you leave this old world and that old body of yours, he will have totally delivered you. Your new body is it, not going to have any of that problem. Right now, it's a battle, and you go through it. And I sympathize with you because of it. And it's rough and hard, I know. But that doesn't annul the fact. God loves you. He, he paid for everything you've ever done or ever will do. And he says that if you'll believe he did it for you, he'd give you eternal life as a gift. You get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, God loves you. He sent his son to prove it. He died and paid for your sins. All you have to do is the only thing you can do. Will you believe he did it for you? If you don't, the wrath of God abides upon you. If you believe it, the righteousness of God is given to you. It's unto all, but it's only upon those that believe. Will you believe it? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, yes, that made sense to me. And preacher, this morning, I believe Christ died for me, and I'm going to trust him as my Savior. Now, if you've never done it before, would you do it right now? If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't have to do it again. But if you have never done so, and you say, that made sense to me, I can see it's a gift, that it's free. I can't earn it, can't work for it, I know I can't deserve it. So by grace, I accept it. I believe he did it for me. And so, friend, would you believe he did it for you? And God said he'd give you the free gift of eternal life. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to stand, have you stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's over and done with when you make that decision. But if you're here this morning and you say, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die, and preach, I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly? No one at all. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for the free gift of eternal life made available to us because of the death, the sacrifice, the substitutionary payment of your Son, in whom we're thankful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.